Amen and amen. I invite you to open in God's Word with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. This is the best I've heard you church all year long. You sound great. Amen? The best you've looked as well. Galatians chapter 6, guys. We're going to look at verse 9. And as you're turning there, what I want to remind you about the big picture in this letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians is that it emphasizes the goodness of God's grace resting solely in the gospel alone. The fullness, the amazing nature, the goodness of God's grace is all sufficiently available in the gospel of Jesus Christ alone. And it's here in the last chapter of Paul's letter to the Galatians in verse 9 that he provides this encouragement to his friends in Galatia. And he says, Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap the harvest if we do not give up. Here's a familiar verse, and maybe some of you are thinking, man, it's only the second day in the whole new year, and you're already telling us don't grow weary. If we're real and honest with ourselves, we're thinking, man, it's only the second day of the new year, and I need to be encouraged because I'm already exhausted. You're telling me the teachers work tomorrow, but the kids don't go back to school till Tuesday. How am I going to get through the next 24 hours? And we come to this single verse in the last chapter of Galatians, and Paul provides this encouragement of not giving up. It's this verse that's familiar with us, yes, and it expresses this endurance in a set-out direction. It talks about this idea of trusting the process of a commitment that's been made. Specifically for us as believers, trusting the process in this commitment of our faith. We've placed our faith on Jesus as Savior and Lord Trust the process. Trust his perfection in our broken direction. And don't grow weary. Don't give in. Don't let go of hope. Don't give up. Keep going, friend. Not giving up, especially because in due season, the harvest is coming. And man, I don't know about you, but I feel like I remind God of that every single day. You say, don't give up. I'm not giving up, Lord. And you say, the harvest is coming any day now, Lord. And it's a strong encouragement of stay the course, keep going, because there is a benefit and there is a richness of reward on the way. And we know that especially to be true in our lives of faith, our lives of following after Jesus. It's true on this side of eternity, and it's most significantly true and sure on the other side of this world. Some of you on this side of eternity, walking in the goodness of God's grace, you've known some really neat benefits and rewards. Some of you, for whatever reason, God in his sovereignty has lavished his grace on your lives where you've experienced prosperity in finances. You've experienced prosperity in physical health. And for whatever reason, that's the path that God has allowed for you. And he's used it for his glory. And there's others of you on this end of the spectrum, on this side of eternity, where you might say, 
my course of doing good and following Jesus seems like it has been filled with one sickness after another. The course of my life trying to be faithful in obedience to Jesus seems like it's just one paycheck after another because he's calling me just to, to bring in resources and, and give them out as quick as I can. But even this side of the spectrum, though it looks like poverty in the eyes of the world, doing good and not growing weary includes rewards and benefits because we know that causes us to deeper dependency upon the Lord. But, but regardless of where your life might seem like it fits on this spectrum, or regardless of where you might be today and where you might think you are two months from now when you're having to pay the credit card bills of Christmas, we know the undeniable assurance of eternity. It might look like you're losing now. But when you breathe your last and enter into eternal rest, when Christ comes again and destroys this earth and creates a new heavens and a new earth, we know there is this eternal benefit and reward coming most certainly. So Paul says, let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due time we will reap, we will experience, we will partake in the harvest should we not give and we know that to be the case in our faith, of trusting the Lord one step after another. He is faithful, and by his strength, I will step out in faith and continue trusting. But we also know it's true just in all of life. It's not limited to the realm of religion or faith. We know this idea of setting in a direction for success, maintaining a committed trajectory, and staying the course, expecting results, expecting some rewards or benefits. We also know um, countless stories of success where you never know when that breakthrough is going to happen. You never know after 408 iterations that the breakthrough is going to come on the 409th iteration of the cleaning product. A couple examples I came across this last week. One is in the sports world, known by a man associated with the most vilest of baseball empires, the New York Yankees. Between 1996 and 2003, they appeared in six World Series. Whether you love them or you hate them, they are considered the most profitable Major League Baseball organization ever. But the story of old Steinbrenner almost never was. In the early 60s, he owned a small basketball team. And only after two years went belly up. Had to file for bankruptcy. In the 1970s, he was able to purchase the Yankees, come into ownership with the New York Yankees. An instant success, right? No. Two plus decades of heartache, of struggles, of the critics, forcing him likely to question the committed direction he had in his life of ownership, but he kept at it to the point where whether you love them or hate them, they were the most profitable baseball organization on planet earth, and Lord, I hate them. Name close to our hearts for the holidays, Milton Hershey, who loves some chocolate in here. Before known as Hershey, though, he was a nobody apprentice. He, he got fired from being a printer. Then he went into three different candy ventures, all three of them melting miserably away in front of him. You like that? But then one last attempt, the Lane Caster Caramel or Caramel, 
company. And it was from there, and his relentless passion, as Hershey said, taking milk chocolate to the masses, that we know the Hershey chocolate we love today. Only that, alas, and really, um, probably my favorite, one of the most creative geniuses of the 20th century, he was fired from working for a newspaper. His boss actually cited he lacked creativity. So he left a newspaper job. He goes and he, he purchases his first animation company and raises $15,000. It's called Laugh-O-Grams Animation Company. It goes belly up. One last-ditch effort. He goes out to Hollywood. And fortune went, not knowing when, when the breakthrough had happened, but he kept persevering. And as a result of a few of his classic films, has come to be known today, most famously associated with the most famous rodent in all planet Earth. Mickey Mouse, Walt Disney. Most magical place on Earth. And we think about these stories. I mean, that just hits the tip of the iceberg, right? Just relentless commitment, perseverance. Knowing we're on a charted course that is in the right direction. It might not feel like we're in the right direction all the time, but it is always headed that way. People ask me all the time, Pastor, how's the church? And what I've told them, every single time they ask that for the five years we've been here, it's exciting. And we're headed in a good direction. I mean, excitement can be positive or negative, right? We could be in the most exciting of times in the positive ways, or you know, it's, it's exciting because it is absolutely terrifying. But regardless, we know and we are absolutely persuaded and convinced by the goodness of God's grace and the gospel alone, we are headed in the direction he wants, and that's the only direction we want to be going. And that's what this verse is all about. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary and give up. Going in that committed direction of faith, you know that Jesus has called you to and has secured you in. Even to the point where his grace is so rich, you might experience some of those tangible benefits on this side of eternity. But even if you don't, even through the eyes of the world, if everything seems ill, everything seems poverty-stricken after this world, you will most certainly reap the harvest should you keep going. When you look at the overall letter, I know we're just taking one verse this morning, the, the first Sunday of the new year. But when you look at the overall letter of Galatians, it can be summarized as that statement I've already said, talking about the goodness of God's grace in the gospel alone. As you walk through different chapters of Galatians, it's really this, this series of emphasis where Paul is emphasizing Hey, Galatians, in chapter 1, he says, You were doing so well in following Jesus by clinging to the gospel of Jesus alone. You were running the race so well until you turned to a different gospel. And it goes on like that every single chapter. Hey, Galatians, in chapter 2, you were following Jesus so well by having a confidence that you're only justified before God by faith alone. You were running so well until... You bought into the lie that justification before God is Jesus plus something else. Chapter 3, Galatians, you were doing so well by remembering the righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus. You were running so well in that direction until you began believing you could please God by somehow doing things on your own. Chapter 4, Galatians, you were doing so well realizing you've been given the Spirit of God's Son to live as heirs of the kingdom of God. You were running the race so well until 
you reverted back to a lifestyle more consistent with this wicked world instead of heaven's kingdom. Chapter 5, hey Galatians, you were doing so well finding true freedom in Christ. You were running that race so well until you gave in the pressures that freedom found in flesh rather than faith on Jesus. And I want us to pause here. I know we're out of chapter 6, verse 9, but this is worth noting here. I mean, Galatians is just so filled with, with passion. And, and if you haven't just sensed the, the passion of Paul's heartbeat here, it's undeniable in chapter 5, verses 7 to 13. Verse 7, he just straight up says, you are running the race well. Who hindered you? I mean, Paul's like, I want some names. There's no such thing as they. Oh, they said this? They did that? No, that's not operating the light of the gospel. Tell me names and let's go glorify Jesus in loving on one another by talking to these people in grace. Who hindered you? So what he's saying is, don't you dare allow someone to suggest the fullness of freedom is found in something other than Jesus. Don't allow the flesh only to further enslave you by the suggestions of these people in so-called authority positions. Paul says, let me speak from personal experience. And you go down to verse 11. And he's basically saying, I've carried out a ritual of the flesh. I've been circumcised. Has that produced a complete freedom in me? No. Paul says, if that produced a complete freedom in me, I wouldn't be experiencing persecution anymore. But there was Paul. Circumcised, yet still persecuted. He's emphasizing the goodness of God's graces in the gospel alone. Freedom is not to be found in rituals of the flesh and here's what I love about Paul's passion. He gets to the point. I mean, he could have ended it at verse 11, right? But no, there's a verse 12. In the holy word of God. And what he's saying here is, whoever suggests freedom is found in something other than Jesus. And if they suggest it's in some type of ritual of the flesh like circumcision, when they go under the knife, I hope they cut off more than they ever planned on. If someone suggests freedom outside of Jesus, I hope that the one performing their circumcision has poor vision, shaky hands, and a dull blade. Paul is saying, that's how much I need to emphasize the opposite of that. That it's not found in anything of the flesh or anything of religious rituals, but it's all the goodness of the grace of God is only found in the gospel of Jesus, his death, his burial, and his resurrection for you and for me. Chapter 5, he says, oh, Galatians, y'all were doing so well finding freedom in Jesus until you bought into the lie that there's freedom available in some ritual or tradition of the flesh. And the truth is that when we come to believing the lie that goodness of God comes from something other than the gospel, what we experience in our own lives is this poor vision. What we experience in our own lives is a shaky grasp of reality at best. What we experience in our own lives when we seek the goodness of God's grace in something other than the gospel is we truly sever off any hope for life that God desires for us from his death, burial, and resurrection. So all through these first five chapters, Paul's like, Galatians, you've been doing awesome until this. Galatians, you've been running so well until you 
We're distracted by that. Galatians, you forgot the main thing. And then he gets to chapter 7, and instead of following that pattern, he reverses it. Because he wants to end this letter, hopefully, reversing the pattern of what they've been experiencing. Paul doesn't want to write Galatians 2. He doesn't want to write the second letters to them and say, hey, you were doing great in this, but again, you, you messed up. So he provides this encouragement in chapter 6, verse 9 saying, don't give up in doing well. Don't let up in carrying out the goodness of God. Keep running the race well. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap the harvest if we don't give up. What Paul is emphasizing here Galatians, no matter what it looks like. Whether it's the distraction of trying to find freedom in something else, whether it's the distraction of finding a righteousness before God in something else, whatever distraction or suggestion of society comes your way, don't forget that the goodness of God's grace comes through the gospel of Jesus alone. Keep your mind and your heart and your life's direction toward that which is driven by eternity. That which truly is Good. Look at verses 7 and 8. It says, Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Don't grow weary in being about that doing that which is good out of the goodness you've received from Jesus as Savior and Lord. Here at Katie's First, we specifically talk about that as connecting people to Jesus and one another. Next week, we're kicking off the book of Ephesians, and it's all about the spirit of unity in Jesus. And out of our our love we experience from Jesus extended toward us, we extend love to one another, growing in that grace. And Paul is saying here in chapter 6, closing out his book to to the Galatians, and he says, Don't grow weary in doing good. You have been recipients of the the greatest goodness ever known to creation. Take that and operate out of that. Out of your connection with Jesus, extend that goodness, extend the cultivation of grace toward one another in your lives. Let's talk for a second about Paul's warning Let us not grow weary in doing good. Doing good is hard work, isn't it? And we're not talking about earning salvation. That's impossible for us. In no way will we ever have an ability to earn our salvation before a holy God. But what Paul's talking about here is how we work out our salvation, how we're living our salvation out as believers on this side of eternity. And he's saying don't grow weary in doing good. What he's implying is doing good is hard work work. Don't believe me? Let's talk about your New Year's resolution. What's that look like? No, not this year's. Last year's. Do you even remember what your resolution was in 2021? You set out a life resolve to do something good. You set out in a trajectory, I want to improve in this area of my life. But doing good is hard work. Maybe you set out to achieve some fitness goals 
our, our food goals. The, the late Betty White said this, I'm good with food and fitness. I love hot dogs with french fries, and as far as fitness goes, I live in a two-story house with bad memory. I'm going up and down those stairs all the time. Maybe some of you would say, I'm good with food as well. I eat anything I, I see, and I'm great with fitness because I still have my membership to the gym, though I haven't been there in two years. Doing good is hard work. It, it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come natural. Maybe this time last year, you said, I'm going to read the Bible every single day, and at the end of 2021, I'll be able to say I've gone through every book of the Bible. And you set out day one. You had your little 10, 15 minutes reading three to four chapters a day. You even posted it on social media so the world would know. I've been walking through God's Word. I got this Bible reading plan. I didn't see any of you on New Year's Eve posting social media. Just finished my Bible reading plan. And some of y'all are like putting calendar reminders now. Once a quarter, I just need to post on social media. I'm reading my Bible still. Doing good is hard work. And even you who get through it, you get to Leviticus or Exodus and those names and those big words, they are just so difficult. So Paul knows the difficulty in doing good. So he says, don't grow weary. Keep doing good. Keep going in this direction of your committed faith because it always will pay off. Think about that a little more. Why is it so difficult? Because, yeah, doing good is hard work, but there also exists this temptation. Doing good is not always recognized or noticed. Doing good according to our faith and the standard of Scripture doesn't always align with the standard of this world. And I think it's important, it's, it's, it's critical here because Paul says, don't grow weary in doing good because in due season you'll reap the harvest if you don't give up. If you keep going in that committed direction of faith, you're going to see the results. And he says, don't grow weary because it is difficult, because we are tempted, because doing good in the eyes of Jesus doesn't always seem to yield the same type of fruit that doing good enough in the eyes of the world might yield. And we're tempted by that. God, you want me to keep doing good in this direction of your grace, but Lord, I know where that's going to get me, and it's not going to get me the profit margin that is deemed significant in the eyes of society. So you're tempted to grow weary in doing good in the alignment and standard of Scripture, and you make concessions. You make compromises. You muddy the truth. Good doesn't always seem to yield as much fruit. I think about the Old Testament example with Daniel and friends in Babylonian captivity. Remember King Nebuchadnezzar's diet? He was trying to force the Hebrew men to take, and, and Daniel said, no, we're not going to eat that. We're going to trust in the sufficiency of God's good grace alone. And after that time period, the Babylonian king inspected Daniel and his friends, and they were stronger and more healthy than every person who lived off the king's diet. Good doesn't seem like it always is going to yield the same profits, but we know the reality with eternity in view. I, I think about Christian businesses, Chick-fil-A. Who, want, who wants Chick-fil-A for lunch today? I do, kind of. I would love some warm tortilla soup. Chase that with some half and half Arnold Palmer sweet tea and lemonade. 
And maybe one of those warm cookies as well. There's nothing like one of those cookies from Chick-fil-A. And now you're going to leave here today thinking, man, I wish I had Chick-fil-A, but they're closed today. And their conscience, their, their convictions as a faith-based organization is that we're not going to be open on Sundays. We're going we're to show this demonstrable priority to eternity in our faith, even though in the eyes of the world it seems like, wait a minute, you're going to be open one day less every week. That's not going to yield the same profits. And he's like, you're absolutely right. It's going to show more because that's the goodness of my God's grace. We see the example of God's faithfulness in the Old Testament. We, we see encouraging stories like that in, in corporations and businesses. But what I'm burdened about most is that as we find ourselves here this first Sunday with a brand new year ahead, we've got a year and a half of COVID behind us. We're going to celebrate two years COVID, March 2020. It's going to be awesome. Maybe we'll get t-shirts. I don't know. But the reality is, we look back on the craziness and we look at it and if we're not careful, if we grow weary in doing good, if we grow weary in maintaining the eternal perspective, we look back on the last year and a half of COVID and we see it as time lost. And then what happens, what I'm burdened with, that even here in our household of faith, some of you have been operating in such a drastic reaction to supposed time lost that now you're doubling down in every area of your life. Time lost in my career, so now I'm going to take every shift I can seven days a week. As dads, you're, you're telling your kids that you want to provide a trusting faith in their home, but all they know about is the trust fund that you're earning because you're never there with them. We do it with our sports schedules as well. How's my kid going to keep up? A year and a half lost. And now we're going seven days a week. Multiple sports every season of the year. And the only sacrifice we know is we're giving up the eternal gathering for a shift at work or a schedule in the sports field. I'm burdened that my kid thinks a touchdown pass is more important than gathering with the saints and finding satisfaction in the presence of God more than anything. Paul says here in Galatians 6, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in maintaining this perspective that the benefit's coming whether you feel it or not. Don't grow weary in being driven by eternity in all facets of your existence on earth. For in due season, you will reap the harvest. As you walk through that, as a businesswoman or man, you're worried, man, God, I'm missing this shift. What's my employer going to think? You give that to God and say, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm, I'm giving a priority to your kingdom. Would you make up for what the world suggests I'm losing here? Have conversations with your kids. I've done it with our oldest of saying, hey, you're missing this private lesson, 
but you're seeking the presence of God, he'll make up for it if that's how he specifically wants to glorify himself through the course of your life on earth. And we do our best by the goodness of God's grace and the gospel of alone to not grow weary in doing good. And notice one final thing, and we'll close here. Did you notice the pronouns all throughout chapter 6? It's not, hey, you husband, don't grow weary in doing good. It's not, hey, you teenage student, don't grow weary in doing good. It says, and let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap the harvest if we do not give up this eternal perspective on all fronts. And next week, I'm excited as we launch into the book of Ephesians because we're going to talk specifically how some of that looks here at Katie's First. But where I want to leave us this morning and not growing weary and doing good, knowing the harvest is coming, is emphasizing that pronoun. It takes all of us. Katie's First Baptist Church is 123 plus years old. She's been here long before us. She'll be here long after us, should the Lord tarry. But in this brief, ever so fleeting moment of existence that we are here as members of the body of Katie's First, the words of Paul echo true today. Don't grow weary in doing good. Let us not grow weary in doing good. Let us not grow weary and being driven by eternity in our homes, in our relationships, as contributing members to the ministry of our presence, the grace of our conversations, the passions of our time, talents, and treasures that we collectively might say, we don't care what the world suggests it should look like. We're going to be driven by eternity, not grow weary in doing good, and trust that God is going to provide a breakthrough for his glory that is so undeniable here in the heart of Katie and truly to the ends of the earth. So I encourage you, this second day of the year, What does not growing weary and doing good look like in your life? 